I am excited uh, today to start a brand new series called Line by Line. Look at your neighbor and say, Line by Line. Over the process of about maybe 10 weeks or so, by the end of the year, we're going to process through that prayer that we pray at the end of service. And, and, and I just want to tell you that prayer is not just a prayer. We believe it is a way to see God, it's a way to see yourself, and it's a way to live your life out. In essence, what I'm trying to tell you is that prayer is theologically uh, stuffful with a bunch of ideas. And what I want to do is just go line by line, like I said, word by word in some respect, and, and, and just see the life-changing power of that prayer. Now, if I'm being honest, I prayed a prayer like this uh, growing up in a church that, that, that I grew up in and, and at conferences and at camps and retreats. And, 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 and honestly, like I prayed, I prayed that prayer a lot of times with, 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 with a lot of regret. You know, a lot of like, Lord, save me, literally. Like, I need you to, to help me. And, um, I, and I just wanna say this, because of the repetition, I believe I'm currently at where I'm at today because I kept on going back to God when I wasn't perfect, when I didn't have it fixed which by the way, I still don't have it perfect, but also, uh, but, but also like just coming and just, just approaching God saying, Lord, would you save me? Would you renew me? Lord, I surrender. And, and, and honestly, I just want you to understand there is so much power in allowing God's seeds to be planted within you that God begins to water that, he begins to grow that, and you never really know where God will bring you. Now, let's talk about that prayer a little bit. Traditionally, it's known as a salvation prayer in the evangelical world. And again, I've already told you, I grew up praying something like that. It was, it was like, no, I need to pray it, otherwise I will not be saved. You know, I was very concerned uh, about, about where I was going after, uh, after this world. And so that's kind of how I took it when I was listening uh, and praying through that as a young child. But I wanna give you a few scriptures. I'm gonna give you three of them where we kind of base um, that type of rhythmic prayer uh, of surrender here at this church and probably around, you know, churches around the world. But Matthew 10, 32 says this, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. John three sixteen says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only what? son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and Romans 10 9 says if you declare with your mouth everybody say with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved this is the biblical premise of why we pray a prayer like that on a weekly basis. And, and I hope you're praying it beyond just Sundays, but I hope you're praying some type of iteration or some kind of uh, form uh, during the week when you wake up understanding that you cannot do life alone. And today what I wanna do is I wanna just get stuck on the name of Jesus. Someone say amen. And I just kind of want to resonate with, with this idea of Jesus and who he is and who he says he 
is. And, and, and before we start, though, let me tell you a little bit about my big idea here. Just the one thing I want you to walk away thinking about and, and chewing about. And let me just read it so I get it correct. It's, this is what I wrote down. Being a Christian by tradition or a devout Christian or a Christ follower hinges on what you think about Jesus and how you apply those thoughts. That's my big idea today. Like, let me just get a little real with you. And I know none of you judge, okay? I know because the Bible tells you not to. But I know you know someone who claims to be Christian but is so far, far from that reality. And what I'm telling you this is, is, is yes, by tradition we can call ourselves Christian, but God has called us not to just call ourselves Christian, but to live out that Christian life. I, that's why we say this is what we're called to, we're not just called to believe, but we're called to be a devout follower of Jesus. And the big difference, it lies on what we think and who we think Jesus is and how we apply that truth to our life. In Matthew 16, Jesus is having a discussion with his disciples. In fact, he looks at them and he says, who, who does everybody say I am? And they reply something, and I'm like, well, some people think you're this, or you, some people think you're that, some people think you're John the Baptist, or Elijah, or Nehemiah, or Jeremiah. They think you might be a, a prophet, and Jesus kind of just took that in, but then he looked in and he leaned into the one he leaned into the one and he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And what Peter says is this. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And I believe in the collective power of the body of Christ and of church, but push comes to shove. There is a moment in time where our individual response matters. And I'm just trying to spray it out today and say it and preach it and proclaim it that Jesus is the Messiah and he's the son of the living God because this is who Jesus was, this is who Jesus is, and this is who he will always be. Can I hear an amen? See, when it comes to Jesus, what comes to mind when you think of him may be the single most important map in your life. So who do you think Jesus is? In this culture, there are many different ideas. There are many different perceptions. There are many different um, conceptions of who Jesus is. And, and I just have to tell you that, that, that for the most part, about every single one of us, it's maybe not as clear as it could be. We may not be as certain about our perspective on who Jesus is. And let me just be quite frank about this. It really takes a lifetime in order to figure out who Jesus, in fact, Jesus himself says something like this, you see through a glass dimly, but one day you will see me face to face. So really, if you're a Christian, if you're a devout follower of Jesus, it's just gonna require patience to allow God to continue to reveal a deeper level of who he is. But the issue is this, in culture, Sometimes we just land on one idea of who Jesus is and we just resonate there. And I think that's extremely un 
healthy. See, a lot of us, we look at Jesus as this cute little superhero. Come on, somebody. And although it is cute and it can be found in little cute Christian uh, books about who Jesus is, it's not quite the best and clearest perspective on who Jesus is. See, if we think that Jesus is our superhero, then we begin to buy into this idea that all Jesus is, is he's the one who swoops in at the right time, right, and the right place to meet you in the wrong circumstance and save you. Hawala! It's a grand idea, but it's not exactly everything who Jesus is, and it's not meant to be that. Yes, that is part who Jesus can be, but there is so much more. See, culturally, a lot of us, we look at Jesus as like the genie in the bottle. Let me say it like this. We can view Jesus as that cosmic vending machine. Y'all know what I mean. Plug in your time, put in your quarter, press A7, and there are your Skittles. Any Skittle lovers out there, by the way? <laughs> I know that was random. <laughs> but we can start treating God as this cosmic vending machine of sorts where he's just this daily petition of our wants and our needs. I know how you work. Lord, please help me. I have a test, help me get an A, come on, can I hear an amen out there? I didn't study all weekend, it was too beautiful, 80 degrees and full of humidity. I loved it, but I didn't study. Some of us will view Jesus, and, and again, I think an immature faith for me um, perspective was viewing Jesus as fire insurance. See, I remember growing up in, in the church world where the pastor would be like, you better believe in huh, Jesus. And if you don't, you're going to get in your car, you're going to cross the intersection and get hit by a car. And some of you, that brings back a little bit of church trauma, you know what I'm saying? But that's the church I grew up in at times, and, and, uh, and, and it was so important for me to surrender to Jesus, because if I didn't surrender to Jesus, then my eternal state was at risk. Now, yes, that is somewhat about Jesus, but at the same time, there is so much more. See, some of us, we view Jesus also as the God in the cloud, and he's distant and unavailable, and I guess what I'm trying to just beat the dead horse about is this, is, is we have a limited perspective as humans, and sometimes we have misconceptions. Last night, I was shaving in my bathroom, and and my wife had taken my two older girls to a concert, and it was just me and the little one, Kez, and, and I was shaving, getting ready for Sunday, and just kind of doing my nightly routine, but I had planned on taking her on a daddy-daughter date, so she was particularly excited about that and was willing to just watch me shave. It's just as fascinating as watching paint dry, but um, <laughs> she goes, at some midway through my shaving, she looks at me, she goes, Daddy? Why do you put whipped cream on your face? <laughs> and I told her, I said, well, Keza, you could take a taste if you'd like. <laughs> it's kind of cute when you're wrong about shaving lotion, but it's not so cute when you're wrong and you have this wrong taste in your mouth about God because of an unbiblical expectation or an unbiblical understanding. It's not so cute. It's not so great. And so I guess what I'm trying to tell you is this, is don't confine your 
elementary view of God because he cannot be contained in your box. He is so much bigger. And that's why I think it is so important for us to just pause at the beginning of the prayer and just, just kind of get a little fascinated about who Jesus is in completion and what he wants to reveal in our life. Now, the book of John says this in 21, verse 25. He says, there are so many other things Jesus did. This is the end of the book. This is what the author is saying. He said, if, there were, if they were all written down, each of them, one by one, I can't imagine the world being big enough to hold such a library of books. See, personally, when I think of Jesus, there's a sense of awe of who Jesus is. And, and, and when I think about Jesus, I think about how there's no other name that is higher than the name of Jesus. But see, Jesus is more than a name. He is the Son of God. He is our Savior. He is our Deliverer. He's the one who directs us. But yet, he is my friend. Does anybody know that Jesus out there? That's who Jesus is. In preparation of this message, I was reading a book that is called The Basics of Faith, and, and I just thought it was so eloquently written about who Jesus is and who God is that I want to read it to you today. It says this, Jesus is the greatest person who has ever lived in all creation and in all eternity, period. Can I hear an amen? amen. For those who look at a historic who look at the historic evidence and the testimonies of eyewitnesses, the verdict is obvious. This is the verdict. Jesus was and is God. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and he is the last. He is the alpha and the omega, the author and the finisher of everything. Jesus is the eternal God, and yet he humbled himself by stepping out of heaven to become man and live on earth for 33 years. God put on human flesh, and he came to the planet he created. And while on earth, Jesus was the visible image of an invisible God. He loved people. He preached the truth. He went all over teaching, preaching, and healing to show people what God was like. He said that when people saw him, they also saw and they have seen the Father. He shows compassion. He did miracles. He raised the dead. He loved sinners. He healed the sick. He blessed children. He cared for the poor. He taught scriptures. He preached salvation. He cared about honesty, integrity, and justice. He didn't like religious phonies. He called out hypocrites and he revealed the true nature of God. Can I hear an amen? I mean, I think he just wrote that so well. And, and so what I want to answer is not what everybody else is saying, but what did Jesus say about himself? But in order to unpack that, I have to tell you that in the Old Testament, there's a story of a man named Moses who stepped into or prematurely stepped into what God had called him to do uh, by trying to, doing, trying to do this whole deliverance piece all by himself. See, he was wanting to be the leader of the Israelites and help deliver them from bondage, bondage, but he was not able to do it. And so he ended up fleeing. And for 40 years, he was a shepherd in the desert until there was this one moment where he, he happened to 
see for the very first time a bush that was not being consumed. And so Moses approached that bush, start having a conversation with the God of the universe, and he asked God, what is your name? And which God replies back, I am. See, what I want to tell you today is this, is Jesus declares himself as I am. See, Jesus came here to be that new Moses. He became, he came to become that deliverer. He became, or he came so that he would declare in our lives and in the world at large that he is I am. And what's fun about that whole fact is this, is the book of John, in essence, accounts the seven times that Jesus declares that he is that I am. And what Jesus does is he invites us to see spiritual realities of who he is by using earthly common things. And so let's do that really quickly. I want to kind of run through the book of John and some of these I am statements of Jesus. And so you have your Bibles, you Bible, you're taking notes, you can write these down. They'll be on the screen as well. But in John 6, 35, it says, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never go grow or never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Jesus declares himself as the bread. Any other bread lovers out there besides me? I love gluten. Praise God. <laughs> May not be good for me, but whatever. John 8, Jesus says this, eight twelve. it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this. This is his second declaration of who he is. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Jesus declares himself as the light. In John 10, 7 through 10, it says, in verse 7, it says, therefore Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus declares himself as the gate, the way, Okay, you, 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 we'll unpack that here momentarily. John 10, 11, it says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. See, God declares, Jesus declares himself as the good shepherd. John eleven twenty four. 25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus declares himself as the resurrection and the life. John 14, verse six, Jesus says this, and he answered them. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. In John 15, verse one, Jesus declares his character and character trait and personhood. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now we don't live, you know, we, we live in the modern day where, where some of those analogies, some of those 
earthly things may not exactly resonate in who we are. So I kind of want to help you unpack that just a little bit. And so when Jesus declares himself as the bread of life, what Jesus wants you to see and begin to experience in your faith walk is that Jesus is your provider. And what I want to tell you is he's more than food. He's more, he can provide for more than your finances. He wants to go ahead and provide for you with your spiritual sustenance. He wants to be your modern day manna and he wants to sustain you. What he's trying to tell you in the declaration that he is your bread, he's trying to tell you this, I am more than you need. The songwriter in Psalms 121 says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Jesus is trying to answer those who sing that song. I am your provider. He's saying, come taste. Come taste and see. And if you taste, you will begin to trust me. And I am a poet and I didn't even know it. Did you hear that? Someone write that one down, okay? <laughs> the second thing Jesus declares himself is, is the light. In modern day terms for us to understand, he is the perspective. See, what he, what, I don't want to go into this too much because I'm going to talk about, about this next week a little bit, but, 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 but we are limited as humans with our perspective. And if you know that out there, would you just say Amen. We are limited in our perspective. I think the best illustration to, to help you understand about our limitation is this. I think spiritually, it's the equivalent of getting up out of your bed and cautiously walking to the bathroom, right, okay? Like, and, and as you're doing that and it's dark in your bedroom, how you navigate in life is this, is with curled toes. Because you're limited in your perspective. You really don't know if there is some luggage in the middle of your path. I am not speaking from experience at all. But see, Jesus declares, I want to be your light. I want to be your guide. I want to give you a perspective that you don't quite have. He does not want you to navigate through life metaphorically with your toes curled. Y'all get what I'm saying out there? See, I think what Jesus is in the business of doing is what he did with the woman who was caught in adultery. Jesus was teaching at a public forum like this, and all of a sudden this woman is thrown at his feet and is tested with that type of interaction. And what Jesus does is this, is he says very little, and he leans and he kneels down, and he begins to write in the sand. See, I think when it comes to our perspectives, what we need is Jesus to interrupt us and begin to change our perspective, to get our attention and write in our sin for the way that we need to see the way that God has ordained us to live. He wants to show you the truth. Uh, Jesus declares, I am the gate, and the modern day understanding of that should be seeing Jesus as your protector. The image is this, is he is the gate, and there is a fence, that God is that gate, that Jesus is that gate, and, and, and I want you to hear this, I believe that God wants to provide peace and protection within the perimeter that God has set around you. But here's the tension. 
We all want freedom, but we all want our choice too. We all want our freedom. We all want his protection, but we also want to walk away from that protection and do what we want to do as individuals. Jesus declares that he can give you freedom, but a lot of times what we need to do is submit our control, understanding that there is this real tension between the two. In the middle of Jesus' I am statement, what I want to do is tell you that the centric perspective that Jesus is trying to display to his listener then and he's trying to display to us now is that Jesus is good. See, when you hear the word shepherd, what you should understand is that the shepherd would have known the sheep's names. He would have known how much hair you have on your head and how much hair you do not have on your head. See, Jesus is personal and at the centric char uh, character of who God is, we need to resonate with this idea that God is good. And what I love about the ancient writing of the scriptures is they use the technique to cascade this in the middle of the seven to say like, if you don't understand one thing, you should understand this one idea that God loves you oh so dearly. And he is good. I mean, just look at how this breaks down. If you can see the screen, and I'm not in the way, but he says, I am the bread and I am the vine. Those two are connected. He says, I am the light and I am the way. I will show you. I am the gate. I am the protector, but I also have the power to do this. And at the center of the message, God is saying, I am good. But to begin to experience the goodness of God, it just requires the proximity of being in proximity to our Father. When I think about my children and think about early on when they were a lot younger, it was my practice to kind of play with them and I would, I would say, hey, I have, a, I, <laughs> I have a secret. I have a secret and what that would do is that would require them to come close to me and then when they came, you know, obviously I evoked some excitement when I told them I have a secret. When they came to me, I would whisper in their tiny little ears the simple message that you are beautiful. It's not a cute sermon illustration. This is what Jesus wants to do in your life. This is what God wants to begin to reveal. This is what he wants to write in your sand. This is how he wants to shift your perspective to see the fullness of who God is. When Jesus declares that he is the resurrection, as I've already alluded to, he is declaring that he has the power to bring you life. He, he's not only into protecting, but he also has the ability and the, the capacity to do this. And, and what I love about it is he is the only one that can say, I, have the, I am the resurrection in life because he himself did it. He brought life not only back to himself, right? God being resurrected, but it's also with him and his friend Lazarus who he calls out of the grave and he says I have the power to call you out of the grave second Corinthians 12 9 says this it says he said my grace is sufficient everybody say sufficient 
for you, for my power will be made perfect in your weakness. God has power in the things that you struggle with. God wants to show you his power in the things of your struggles. Jesus is the way. This is Jesus saying, I am the pathway, but also in a very simple term that we would understand is Jesus saying, I am the guide. And, and I just want to tell you this, this is a simply Jesus church. We believe that Jesus is the way versus just a way. I want to tell you today that Jesus is not a multiple choice. He didn't give us a multiple choice test. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he, desi- he's, he desires to be the guide in your life. And I hope through your lifetime you begin to see that. And then lastly, Jesus declares himself as the vine. Jesus is the vine. What we need to see and resonate in the modern day terminology is that Jesus is planted. He's not going anywhere. Can someone say amen? That Jesus is the source of life. He is the source, source of your growth and he is the source of your production and, 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 and doing amazing things through you. And I love the image of the vineyard and so did Jesus. Because when I see a vineyard, you know what I see? I see systematic, a systematic approach. I see a secure approach. I see beauty, but I see the need for tenderness care. That's who Jesus wants you to be. See, when you see that vineyard, you see those rows, you see God's secured uh, concepts around that. You see, I just think vineyards are absolutely beautiful, and yet it requires the care of the gardener. Jesus teaches us that he is the vine and we are the branches and that God is the gardener. What I wanted to tell you today that there is a better way to live out and create the better world. And I'm not sure if we'll get to that place unless God continues to give us a better perspective and an understanding of who Jesus is. Much like Moses, in his normal in and out daily routine, God wants to interrupt us. And he wants to walk with us and begin to continue to reveal the depths of who he is and who Jesus is much like Saul on the way to Damascus to persecute Christians, because he had a perspective. He wants to knock you off of your high horse and to humble you once again and, and to begin to reveal who he truly is, that God wants to, as he did with Saul, and, and, and really giving him a new name, Paul, he took off the scales of his own perspective, the scales of his own blindness, and revealed the personhood of Jesus in a complete, complete clear, and concise manner. See, that's who Jesus is, and that's what Jesus wants to do. 
Jesus today. Holy Spirit, I sense that you're here. God, I willingly admit my words can do little. But it's by your spirit and your power, God, that can open up our eyes. It's by your spirit that can knock us off of our high horses, our pride. God, it's by your finger that can write in the sand in our pathway. God, today I just ask all across this room that you would just give us the overwhelming sense of your goodness and your love. God, I just sense there's some people here that God, you are touching their heart right now. But I just sense there's some people that, 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 <laughs> that have doubted your power. And today is the day that, God, you reveal your power to them. God, I just sense there's others of us that, God, doubt that you can provide in fullness and people who have struggled with putting everything within your trust. God, I just pray that you would show up right now. God, I just pray for some people that it feels stuck, that they may feel lonely, God. And maybe there's a sense of peace that they do not have. Maybe people that feel surrounded by evil. God, I just ask that you would just show up, God. they'd be able to live out an object lesson and an experience with you today. Help us live that better way, Lord. Help us be conduits to make the world around us better. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Echo Church, will you stand up? We're about to Pray that prayer again. I know there is a certain rhythm of this prayer, but I want to do something different. I want, I'm going to say the name of Jesus, and I want you to repeat it after. We're going to do that a few times, and then we'll go into the prayer. But I just want to resonate on Jesus. Can we do that just for a second? So repeat after me, Jesus. do this in a moment again, but I, as you just heard who Jesus is and who he says he is, would you resonate, would you resonate on one of those today? And would you, would you just have a sense of thankfulness, appreciation, reverence for that area in your life? Let's say it again, Jesus. Pray with me. I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Is God good?